Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. This is David Miracatani. This podcast is being brought to you by FantasyGrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to FantasyGrade.com and enter the live event on March 14th at Cleveland, Ohio, the online event, or both. Prove your knowledge and support amateur wrestling at the same time. Go to FantasyGrade.com today and enjoy wrestling even more. Today I am joined by the associate head coach from the defending national champions, Penn State, Cody Sanderson. Cody, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I know how busy you guys are, and uh, I know uh, you had a crazy week last week, so I really appreciate it. So um, I'd be crazy if I just didn't start with last weekend. Um, I think anybody who is any sort of wrestling fan at all, found a TV with the way ticket prices were (laughs) and got a chance to watch it. Um, The environment, since you guys have gotten to Penn State and and what you guys have created there is now, you know, it feels like it's on par with the the Carver Hawkeyes and the Stillwaters and all that. So tell me about the environment and and tell me about your guys' fan base, Um, you know, from your your perspective sitting in the corner and, and maybe able to soak it in obviously a little bit more than your athletes. Well, yeah, that's uh, one thing that's interesting about a coach is often, you know, most of the work is done before we get out there. And so in the corner, sometimes we're we're uh, we're partial spectators or cheerleaders in a way, just like the fans are. And, I, I you know, I'm blessed to have a front row seat in, in what is one of the, the greatest, uh, I, I think, shows in college wrestling. Uh, our, our environment there that the fan base has made is incredible. I mean, the, the match on Saturday night, it was, it was, it was packed. You know, you just, there wasn't place for more people. You know, I know that they, they even found a few spots. They sold seats to people where they can't see the match at all. You know, they can't see anything, but they'll, they'll turn and look the other way and watch the, the scoreboards just for an opportunity to be in there and feel that energy. And it's, you know, the, the wrestling community here in Pennsylvania is, is incredible as everyone knows. And the support that Penn State University gets athletically across the board for all sports uh, is, is also pretty darn amazing. And so what I would like to say too is that, you know, that fan base though, you know, right now I, you know, the, the energy's up, we've got more season ticket sales, but you know, there's been a, a strong history of a, a fan base here at Penn State. You know, that's one thing that was intriguing to us originally about, um, you know, p- potentially coaching here. It's just, you know, there was always large crowds, you know, even when we'd have, you know, either wrestle-offs or those sorts of things, you know, people come here to to watch and support this team. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely true. The thing that stuck out to me was people paid, I know, good, good money for tickets where they know, they knew they couldn't see the mat directly. That that's That's amazing to me. So, I mean... One of the things that we heard was that it was like 80 plus degrees in there. Did you guys, I guess that, and then you guys had a basketball game that night as well, right? So were you forced to be in, in the one arena or did you choose to be there? Or tell me how that all played out. Well, most of that stuff happens more at an administrative level and it happens months and months ahead of time. Right. You know, when those schedules yeah. come out, schedules come out, you start looking and seeing what works with our sport, what works with the other sports on campus. Because we actually had, I think there was something like 12 home events, athletic events over the weekend for Penn State. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces to move around. Uh, I know that uh, our basketball team had been scheduled in the Bryce Jordan Center with 
I think it was Iowa was in, which is a, a, a big game for those guys. And so us, it, you know, it worked out to be at Rec Hall this week, this past weekend, and then next weekend it worked for us to be over at the Bryce Jordan Center when Iowa comes to town. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. you got those guys coming up. So um, for guys like us, you know, we, you know I'll, when something like this is on the radar coming up, you know, it's we, we're making predictions and talking about who we think is going to win. Obviously, you guys were shorthanded, you know, with, with Jason Nolf's injury right now. And, and I think the other obvious statement is it's important for you guys to try to win every single thing you compete in. Do you guys as a coaching staff kind of go through the duel and figure out, you know, like, hey, we think we're going to win this and not win this. And, you know, this is a toss up. Or do you guys really have the blinders on and go, we're just going to win all 10 matches or, you know, we have to think only in those terms. What's the thought process there? Yeah, I would say blinders on as much as possible, but, you know, every one of us is human. You can't help but think about and speculate and run scenarios occasionally, but we just don't let that be our focus. The focus is on the individuals and what they need to do. You know, it's um, you know, wrestling. We have 10 individuals that compete individually. You just make sure that every one of them is prepared as well as possible for their bout. When you guys, when after the 97 match and you guys were up and you, and obviously on paper a major tied it, did you guys have the point score, the, the individual criteria, match scores all laid out where you knew how much Snyder had to win by? Or if, if it had uh, been a major, would you guys have been going to the book as quick as anybody else? Uh, you know what? I wasn't even worried about it. I know that we were thinking about it, but you know, we, we let our sports information guy handle all that stuff. You know, we just don't want to get distracted. You know, the, the task at hand was Nick Neville's and having him go out and wrestle and perform as well as he can. And that was just how, how he approached it. And, and um, you know, uh, coaches Casey and, and uh, Kale and Varner were up there right the corner, and that's just how they did it. You know, let's let's go out here to win this. Let's not leave anything on the mat. Let's go score points on this guy. And it worked out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, obviously. Well, and that's a interesting thing with um, – I mean – Nick Neville's is just a unique position for him because, you know, 90% of the time he's favored in his matches and he's going against, I think, inarguably one of the best guys in the world in Kyle Snyder. You know, does he look at that? You know, how, he has to look at it a little differently. Like, I'm just going to go out there and do my stuff because, you know, in your head, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be difficult to make it work. So. I mean, what do you think his thought process was going in that match? Was he thinking try to keep it close or, you know, because it's a unique situation for him, right? Yeah, it definitely is. But, you know, that's something I, I haven't actually talked to him about. Uh, you know, I was I was back there with him helping him get ready to go. And, you know, all I know is that he had a look in his eye of determination and he felt good. His movement was good. We did a little shadow wrestling, kind of a hand fight faking. And I felt like he was ready to go. And when he walked forward to go out on that mat, you know, my perspective is that he was going to do a whole lot better than just about everybody had expected when they were watching him come out. And he certainly did. <laughs> um, when when Snyder went for that lat drop, did you have an oh, my God moment like the rest of us did? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, any of those times your, your heart kind of skips a beat for a second. And, but, uh, you know, Neville's a big boy with pretty good hips. You know, he's, he's not easy to hoist over. No, I meant more like, oh, my God, like you guys might catch him and pin him. This is kind of oh, what well, went through our head. At least well, we I, <laughs> I have on that. I think my heart would have skipped a little bit more. Yeah, you're Joe Cool, so it's good to hear that mm -hmm. you does skip at least a beat on something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, you guys obviously have 
you know, maybe the best problem in the country in that you're, you're absolutely loaded at 197. Um, when you guys, I'm not going to ask you who you're going to start the rest of the year because I know you wouldn't tell me anyway, but what, what are the criteria that kind of go into that decision and how do you guys decide, like, if you have a split weekend, like, you know, hey, David's going to wrestle on one day and Cody's going to wrestle the, the other day. How do you guys make that decision on who to go, and and what led to the decision for Anthony uh, Cassar to wrestle uh, Colin Moore? Well, those those decisions are never easy, and and I think probably just like any coaching staff, we start as a, in, a, in a long view. You know, coming into the position out of the Southern Scuffle, you start to look ahead and and say, okay, well, you know, what what are our options here? We have two great guys, and we have a lot of confidence in both of them, uh, and. You know, how do we make sure that we do right by what's by them and we do right by the team? And you start to kind of plan that out, figure out who will wrestle in what spot, what makes sense. And, you know, it's really we make a plan early and you kind of try to stick with it. You know, they don't let the motions get in the way. But coming into that Saturday night, uh, you know, from our staff, we believed that either Kassar or Shakur could go out there and win that match. You know, that wasn't a question in our minds. We knew it was a tough order. Uh Colin Moore is, is a heck of a wrestler. I like how he attacks. You know, he's very aggressive. We knew that it was going to be tough, but, you know, we, we believe that both of those guys had a good chance to go out there and get that win. And so, you know, with that, we just stuck with the plan that we had originally made to who would go where. And, you know, it ended up working out for us. When you look at something like that, is it ever like, hey, maybe person, you know, person A's style or their strengths might match up better with the other guy. I know that's, you know, may, maybe fall into the category of part of the long-term plan, but it, are, is that part of the criteria that you guys look at? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, it is, uh, but we, we look at that initially when you have two guys, we've been in the situation a couple of times before you have two guys that are battling hard for a spot. Mm-hmm. You also want to make sure that they both get opportunities to prove themselves against the best guys. So you have to find a way to mix it up. You have to find a way to get one of them out there and home meets. You got to get them out there in away meets. You got to get them out there against some of the best guys. You really got to find as many ways to test these guys, so that you know you know what's the best choice as you come down into postseason. Well, I guess the problem for those guys at 197 is you guys don't have any big guys in your coaching staff that a ever won anything or, or b wherever any uh, still wrestle with the guys yeah. so it's not like yeah. you got casey and varner and your brother that can tell you how the feels are every day in practice too yeah, yeah unfortunately those those, uh, those big guy coaches are going to have to pick up the pace a little bit really <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting uh, so um i read an interview that your brother did several months ago and I think it was in July, so I'm I'm late about talking about this, but it's the first time I've spoken to you since I read it about the word gratitude and why it was so important in his not was but is so important in his life and the the life of your guys' program and I would encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to read it. It's it's really I don't know the impactful I guess is the right word. Um, the first thing that came out to me is your brother's humility. And, and and the people may not realize this. You're his big brother, older brother. What – Kale seems like a really unique guy in that he's won just about everything when you grow up as a little kid you want to do and more like being on a Wheaties box and things like that. Yet he somehow seems to have this really incredible combination of humility and then killer instinct when it counts. Um, 
am I reading that right? And how, you know, how do you think, he, you know, he and your guys staff have come to that level? You know, I think it's something, you know, you're, you're right about that. You know, you're right about uh, the humility that he has. And it's something that I think that is just, that's how he's always been in a, as an athlete. And I think that came from our upbringing, from our parents and from the community that we lived in. That was just kind of how he operated. You were grateful for the opportunities you had. You're grateful for the challenges that were placed in front of you and you do your best. You deal with those things and move forward. And that was just, it was a constant message for us growing up. And it's something that's very real to us and is very real to him. And, you know, it's kind of think back to, to even his career. I mean, I think when Kale won his, he went undefeated and won his fourth NCAA title. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did he do? He he put two hands in the air. And that was kind of it, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, he I mean he he was a little bit emotional because it it, it was a long time coming, you know, to carry uh, you know that emotion through four years and all the questions of can he do it? Uh, but you know, he just he wasn't running around the mat. He wasn't doing backflips. He just you know he put two hands in the air and um, it was almost like a relief for him. So he just approaches things differently. And I think that's part of the reason he's been so successful, the things that he's chosen to pursue. Yeah. Um, and it, it, while you were saying that, the word that popped into my head before you said it was relief. Like at that point, I mean, I think, you know, maybe some of us have experienced that at a smaller level, like a long high school winning streak or something like that. But, yeah, it, it did look like that. So, you know, when I thought about that that interview and then your guy's personality and, you know, I, I know you – you know, very distantly, but, you know, you've been very kind to me whenever I've called. you got a room full of alphas in there, and I think that kind of goes without saying with what they've won, but it wasn't like these guys were kind of okay, and then you guys turned them into killers. You know, I mean, they were really great wrestlers coming in, which is, you know, part of the recruiting process, but they seem to all, I don't know if the right word is coexist, but because coexist probably isn't strong enough. Um, they've all formed a brotherhood, and I, it seemed to me like after reading that article that these guys have to have bought into this gratitude thing. So, I mean, I've coached some pretty good kids, obviously, at a much different level, and it felt like, you know, the alphas are all trying to, you know, carve out their territory. What in your culture is allowing these guys to still be alphas when it's, when it's showtime but to be part of a brotherhood, you know, the other 90% of the time and get the most out of each other? Um, <laughs> I guess it's kind of a difficult uh, question to answer, so I kind of talk through it a little bit because we're, you know, my experience as a coach is with this program and coaching with Kel and Casey and, um, you know, and, and recently Varner. I think we've been coaching together nine or ten years, and so my perspective is, you know, from, from what we have here uh, – you know, I don't really have a perspective on other rooms or how they might manage this type of situation. But I guess, you know, first, you know, our head coach coming from Kale, I mean, he, you could consider him maybe the ultimate alpha, if you would. I mean, sure. he's, yeah. With, yeah. It, with what he's done as an athlete, you know, the, the undefeated, the, the Hodge trophies, you know, the gold medal, uh, you know, you, you have to be pretty accomplished to match, you know, or beat what he's been able to do. And so I think those guys trust him. I think that's probably a big thing. They trust him. They trust our staff. They trust the messages. You know, gratitude's just one of many themes that Mikel talks about. I think they trust that, and they know that, that it's a you know, it's a winning formula, and that if they believe and then they do what they're asked to do, they're going to be champions. And so I think that's the, the message that they get on a daily basis, and that's probably what, you know, allows these guys all to, 
in the same room and and not. I mean, they compete. They compete hard. I mean, when some of these guys go at each other in practice, you know, they I don't want to say try to kill each other, try to beat each other up. But to, at the end of the day, you know, they're working together to make each other better. And you know, I you know, I guess you know, we'll go back to the gratitude thing. Gratitude thing. You know, I'm grateful that I'm in a room where we can do that. You have these great guys. And they're working together, and they have their eyes on the bigger prize, and they're working together as a team. You know, it's just a cool thing to be part of. Yeah, I think you know, a little more than a part of it, but yeah, I, I do know what that's like. Like, you know, some days you pinch yourself and you're just watching all these workout guys work out, and like you said in reference to at some point the hay is in the barn, and you just have the best seat in the house. Sometimes it feels you can get caught up in a moment like that. So I, I definitely see that. Um, Along with, well, going into last weekend, you, Ohio State, and Mizzou were the only undefeated dual meet teams. So really the only teams on any reasonable basis that it could have claimed what would be the dual meet national title this year with there being no official national duels. So separate from the perspective of, hey, we just try to win everything we do every time we're out, how important was it for you guys to win that dual meet? You know, because it, it felt like you guys, on the outside looking in, it felt like you guys were more vulnerable than you've been with Nolf being hurt and, and that sort of thing. And, and you know, you guys had some close matches at, you know, like, I mean, Bo Nickel had a close match with Abinader and, and Mark Hall had a close match with Amin. Um, and I'm sure that's probably what you guys used that for motivation. But just how important was it to win the meet and, and I'm not saying you've won anything. You still have dual meets left, but to stay undefeated up to this point. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like you said, though, is that you know we we try to win everything that you know we're in, and I don't, I mean, I, I mean, don't really remember even the word undefeated or stand undefeated even coming up a single point in our discussions, you know, through this or coming into the season, because just I don't think that's the best thing to focus on. You know, it's, it's it's every match we approach every match as much the same as we can, because we ask the individuals on their team for the individual bouts to do the same thing. So it's just we try to mimic as a team, and and uh, you know it it gets harder. I mean, it's when you come in against a, a team like we wrestled this last weekend, it's harder to keep that perspective. It's harder to keep that focus. That's just part of being human and. You know your your general strengths and weaknesses, but to the best we can, we try to keep it the same. Yeah, you guys seem like you're maybe as good as it gets at staying level-headed because I think at this point you guys are the alpha team and you get everybody's best effort. So, um, I, I know I knew going in I wouldn't be able to ask you about this, so um, I'm not going to. But I just want to tell you that I think behalf on of all wrestling fans, anybody who really just wants to see the best guys be able to compete. I just want you to know that all of us at Track Wrestling, and I think I speak for the wrestling community as a whole, that we are uh, all rooting and, and hoping that Jason Nolf has a complete and speedy recovery. So I just wanted to, to say that to you guys. Well, thank you. He's a, you know, he's a pretty special kid to coach, and obviously the things that he does on the mat speak for themselves, but just the attitude he brings to the team and practice, you know, he's he's – He's definitely a, a joy to have around, and um, you know he's working hard to to get back where he can he can be out there competing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I hope that works out so he's as good as he can possibly be when when the chips are down. So, um, I, one of the cool things about my job is I get to talk to guys like you and 
Um, you guys all have different processes and philosophies on this. So without getting into specifics, how much of the last seven weeks is, in terms of coaching, is one-on-ones versus group? And I know you guys do both. Like, I know there's, you know, a normal practice time, and then, you know, I come in in the morning and work out with one of you guys and that kind of thing. But, you know, philosophically, like, you know, I would think maybe that, hey, if I worked with you in the morning and something, that's going to be stuff I'm going to try to implement in the afternoon. What's uh, what's the mix there and what's the stress on what's important? You know, it's, it's something that varies, I mean, week to week, day to day, and for, for individual athletes. I mean, you as a coach, you know that it's important to do both. It's important to have the, the group process, and it's important to have the individual process. But, you know, as coaches, I think it's important for us to be flexible as well, and we need to make sure that we can respond to the immediate needs, needs of our team. And that means that, you know, next week might be different than the following week. And, you know, what we think we might be doing next week when we get through this weekend, we might say, okay, guys, it's time to make an adjustment. So, you know, it's really hard to say what percentage we do with the group, what percentage we do individual, other than, we, you know, we recognize the importance of both and make sure that, you know, we're, we're maximizing their potential. Yeah, and I, I guess I imagine, you know, I perceive you as like the the genius professor, you know, where you've got, it's probably not accurate in what I'm about to say, the description, but like a guy with a spreadsheet on each different guy's strengths and weaknesses and what we need to work on. And so, you know, you're working with like maybe Mark Hall doesn't need to work on his duck under as much after this last weekend, you know, but there's something, you know, something else that you see as a, a potential weakness down the line. And, you know, you going through that and then it, I guess maybe what I'm taking from what you just said is that as you see competitions and new things are brought out, it's important as a coaching staff to be flexible and go, we might have thought this is where we needed to go, but clearly if we're following what's actually happening in front of us, we need to adjust. Is is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's definitely a fair statement. I think that's just the, the way you have to do it. And, you know, sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. I mean, that's just what it comes down to, and hopefully we get it right more times than we don't. I think you guys have a pretty good record of getting it right, but yeah. So I know you guys have Iowa this weekend. What's the rest of your schedule before Big Tens? We have Iowa this weekend, and then we have uh, Buffalo coming in for our, our final match the following weekend. And then a weekend off and then Big Tens? Yep. That's... Okay. Well, best of luck to you on that. I want to jump jump, uh, jump conversation over to the international side of things. So um, the timing is good for this interview because – um, State College was just selected as one of the final X locations. So, congratulations on that, first of all. Yeah, we're we're really excited. You know, it took us uh, some time, a couple months of working through some of the details to to get to this point. But yeah, we we're really excited about the opportunity to to work with USA Wrestling on this, and it's a kind of an interesting concept, and we're really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I had Cody Bickley and Xander Schultz on a few weeks ago to sort of discuss the genesis of this process and how it all works and that it, their perspective was really interesting from, I guess to kind of summarize it really briefly in the two out of threes that normally were the same day as the tournament, you know, where a guy that was sitting at the end would, you know, like if you were waiting, I have to win the tournament, then I have to beat you two out of three. There's some other changes, but a primary change is if I win that tournament, I don't have to beat you or try to beat you two out of three till two, three, or four weeks later, depending on which side it is. So from 
your perspective of a guy that's I know is a super analytical person and that of the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, how do you feel about the new format? I'm well, uh, you know, again, we don't know how it's going to go, but it's something that we've, as a staff, have kind of talked about in the past as we've looked at it and say, well, I wonder you know, if we could do a trials where the two out of three was a separate event so that we really get an opportunity for these guys to come in on, on a more level level playing field so that the top guy is getting into the world championships and the Olympics. So, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. Maybe after a year, two years of this, everyone will say, oh, okay, that wasn't that great. Let's go back. But this is definitely something worth trying. Well, and you guys have had success from both ends of it, you know, where you guys had guys that were the favorites and, and did really well. And then a guy like, uh, you know, Frank Molinaro, who was wrestling for Nittany Lion, when he came in from my, and you would know better than me, but either the eight or the nine seed, you know, and came through, this was obviously the Olympic trials, but it was the same previous format we're discussing, you know, coming through and doing something like that. So um, do you feel like that we're more likely to get the right guy, which I think is everybody's goal? Do you think this, this new format is, is going to make that more likely? You know, I, well, I'm, I want to be kind of careful with the terminology because I don't like I don't like the terminology of the right guy. Okay, um, sorry right. about that. I mean, I, no, I just, and not from you, I, I, I just, I hear that a lot, yo. We've got to make sure we get the right guy on the team. And, and for me, in a way, that concept goes against, you know, what wrestling is. Right? Wrestling is me versus you and all things. Even we go out there and we take care of business. And the winner comes out on top. And so uh, I, I just don't like the term the right way or the right guy, but more that we make sure that, when we're down to those final two that both guys have the proper shot so that if one guy wrestled through all day and he's beat up and can't hardly walk, we're really not in the right situation for the, him to go wrestle two out of three. So it's more, I would say more equitable Yeah. rather than, so this is kind of what I mean. It's more, I don't, I don't just, I don't like the concept of, of the right guy. Cause in, in a way we were almost trying to pick and choose who's on the team rather than let the wrestlers decide. Well, it's a point well taken because, you know, you might have beaten me six times during the year and everybody thinks you're better. But if, you know, on the seventh day, if we wrestle and I wrestle the ratchet match of my life or reach back and headlock you, then maybe I'm, quote, not the right guy, but I did deserve to win that match. So I, I see what you're saying for sure. Mm -hmm. So one of your guys, David Taylor, recently won the Uregan, which we were carrying live on track wrestling. And the history of that tournament is just incredible. You know, it's it's like – I mean, when I grew up, Tbilisi was the tournament, you know, if you understood anything internationally, like, you know, that was the story, like the Dave Schultz stories and things like that over there. So um, I know you guys are obviously intimately involved with David. Um, so congratulations on that. And then what did he have to say about his performance and just the, the overall experience there? He was, um, I mean, he was excited just because of the little the tournament, what it means to win it. And, but mostly his... Uh, the conversation is a, as far as his training goes, and uh, he he feels like he's right on track and where he wants to be, and that was just a you know a good a good indicator that he's doing things correctly. And so I think that's a big thing for him because his ultimate goal right now this year is to win a world championship. You know the Uregan is awesome and it's a fun thing to be a part of, but winning the world championship is what he wants to do. You know, this is uh, evidence that he's on the right track. Yeah, I think so. Right. So. Yeah. Um, with the addition of 79 kilos and 92 kilos, the, the traffic jam of, 
of studs that America has, it seems like it sorted itself out a bit. I mean, and no slights to anybody else, but you had these these Dake, Burroughs, and then Taylor was in that mix for a long time at 74 kilos, and then with Jaden Cox and, and David at 86, and now, I mean, Jaden's you know, officially confirmed he's going to go 92, and David at 86, and Dake at 79. Um, I mean, you're a student of the game. Does it, looking at this, that that sort of spreading things out, and even the guys that are the number two or number three guys at those weight are some super legit guys, like a Nick Heflin that wrestled David really tough last year, and you know, like an Alex Deeringer and and those kind of guys. What's your perception of like that? Just that four weight class run right there that that the United States has. Well, I think that uh, we have a lot of things to be excited about. You just look at those guys and what they've done in the past and what they're capable of doing. I mean, the the, the days ahead are looking really really great for the USA wrestling. And I can even take that though a step further. What you're saying is just wrestling wrestling world as a whole all across the world. I mean, six weight classes isn't enough. You know, those ten weight classes spreading them out. I mean, there's so many great wrestlers that aren't or haven't been able to participate because there's just not spots for them. And giving you know more of these guys an opportunity to get out there allows us to showcase the sport even more. You know, unfortunately, we get to Olympic Games, it's a it's a different story. You know, there's all kinds of other things involved. When it comes to those Olympic Games, but at least for these years in between, we have more guys and more great wrestlers' opportunity to get out there on that world championship stage. Yeah, and I had John Smith on this summer, and he said something that I, I would never have guessed he said. He said he was more proud of his world medals than his Olympic medals because he said the world championships have more guys that can compete in them because more countries are allowed, and there might not be guys that can win the tournament, but there's more guys that might have one crazy style or one crazy move that are hard for you to beat. So in his mind, winning the Worlds was more difficult than the Olympics. I mean, I'm not sure that may be the case now because you've got probably a lot of guys that would be, you know, sucking down or moving up. But it's definitely a unique perspective. And I think, you know, from a guy that's clearly done it and won both, you know, so he's qualified to make that statement, um, you know, you feel like if, if a David Taylor can, you know, get that job done you know it's obviously a ways down the line but it's got to make him feel good if you can win this world title you're you're in line for probably i'm guessing what his ultimate goal or goals are to, to, to try to win olympic gold medals well yeah that that's his dream and it's you know just like it's a dream of you know all the wrestlers around the world you know it's to get that olympic championship you know the world championship is you know, it's no small feat and it's it's one of the steps to get there yeah um the the two-day weigh-ins at UWW, I think those of us on the outside, and I just want to make sure I'm not – I like to talk to guys like you that I think are really smart. The two-day weigh-in seems to be a, to be in the favor of the United States. You know, the, they're used to from collegiate doing two-day weigh-ins and, and not having these, you know, you know even the one-day weigh-ins, you know, one- or two-hour, um, you know, gap before, you know, competition. D do you see it the same way or, or are we missing something? No, I, I think that what you're saying is is right. There's some different ways to look at this, though, depending on the weight classes. I, I like. I mean, I, I wrestled in a time in college where we went from, while I actually mid-season my sophomore year, we went from weighing in the day before, and then they changed the rules to weighing in the day of. And from someone who wrestled both through college, I mean, the the one-hour weigh-in, I loved it because I wrestled more what I weighed and 
there was the less there's less focus on cutting weight all the time, especially through a you know a college season. And I think that this ten you know the ten weight classes and the the same day weigh-ins potentially can really help help with that. Uh, as far as USA have an advantage, you know. Of course, I mean it's something that we do. It's something we have more experience with. Yeah, I would think that you know, these these other guys from around the country, around the world. I mean, they're pretty smart. You know, they they know what they're doing. They they know wrestling. I would think that they'll kind of make some adjustments and maybe figure some things out. But if they don't, you know, well, you know, more winning for USA. My one the one thing I've kind of I'm a little torn on though is that when we start getting to the Olympic Games, we have six weights. It almost, I, you know, I'm just sure I feel about it. Because guys are going to have to cut weight, you know, a lot to of get into one of those weights. A lot of weight, and it almost seems, and you know, I might be completely wrong, but it almost seems that having the day before weigh-in allowed more people to make some weight adjustments to get into those weight classes. Where now they might not be able to cut down and recover that same day and wrestle. So that I'm I'm kind of torn on that. I think it's a great move overall. I mean, the 10 weight classes, absolutely. You know, I'm just kind of wondering if when we're at six weight classes in the world, you know, if that eliminates some opportunities for people that are stuck in between. And, you know, I think overall, you know, the, the there's there are pros and cons to everything. So I think overall, you know, this is definitely a, a positive step. And, you know, all this trickles down, you know, the less weight cutting that goes on at the top levels, Ideally, the less weight cutting we see in the high school and the end levels because there's still way too much of it. You know, maybe this will make a difference there as well. That's a, a very interesting point. Yeah, that I mean, and I think all the smart heads are like, look, especially kids in high school. You know, it's, I think the smart people, it is trickling up. Like, look, work on competing, work on improving, and stop worrying about you know if you got a sauna suit or those kind of things. So, you know, one of the things that just popped into my head as you were talking about the less opportunities at these Olympic weights was at the Olympic trials when Zane wrestled James Green and, you know, Green had to come from 70 to 65. Um, I, was it 65 or 66 at the Olympics? Was it still 65 then? Yeah. And, you know, he just looked, I mean, Zane wrestled great, absolutely deserved to win the match, but James just didn't look like himself and, you know, didn't, you know, wasn't able to really wrestle well on the back either. And, I mean, you could just see, I mean, 11 pounds is a lot for a guy that's pretty leaned out at 70. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so see, I mean, you kind of you kind of see where, where guys get, they got, they get pinched out. And, um, you know, that's just, I mean, it's a frustrating part of it. It's frustrating that we, we lose weights at the Olympics, so we don't have 10. But, you know, sometimes that's just, things are out of our control. We do the best with what we have. Yeah, yeah. So from the Lit Nittany Lion Wrestling Club perspective, with the World, Te you know, U.S. Open, World Team Trials, Final X, all that stuff coming up, who do you guys have competing across all the different weight classes? Uh, well, I'll just go, I mean, of course we've got all these guys at Penn State that I think we've got some great guys that I think are going to be challenged to make those teams this year, you know, whether it's the national team, the world team itself. But I don't really want to go into the – the college guys right now because you know, yeah. they, they got other things they're working on. But just straight up and wrestling club, club of course, you have Taylor at 86, you know, other Nico Megalutis down to 57, 61 kilos is probably where he's going to be on the mat this year. Uh, we have Josh Rodriguez, which is new to the club. You know, he's down at 57. You know, Riley Lefevre, who's come over this year, in there that 92 kilos. Um, 
And then even on the Greco side, the Ben Provisor is, uh, you know, here training full time. And so we're, we're, uh, we're Greco coaches again as well. So that's been actually, actually kind of fun. And, and, um, the Greco weight class, I believe it's 87. I gotta get, I gotta learn my Greco weight classes a little bit better. So sorry to, sorry to the Greco fans out there. I love the sport. We just haven't coached too many people. So, but I believe it's 87 for him as well. Um, you know, also, you know, a longtime member of our club who was not participating in this because he wrestles for Puerto Rico is, is Franklin Gomez. Yeah. And he'll, he'll still be out there, um, competing in the international competitions. So those guys, plus all the, the college guys that we have coming up through, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a pretty darn good, solid group rolling into those, uh, nationals and world team trials this year. Yeah. You, you always, whenever you talk to people, there's always one question that pops up you never thought you'd ask, but, you guys are known for being some of the best leg grabbers in the world. So what's it like coaching Greco? Oh, you know, actually it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, obviously provisor knows more about Greco than, than we know about Greco, but uh, we'll get in there. Every one of the coaches has grabbed him, tried to pummel with them a little bit. And, and uh, it's, it's actually good for other club guys. We love our other club guys getting in there and mixing it up with provisor because they have different positions. There's a different type of conditioning. Uh, I don't know if, freestyle wrestling necessarily helps him but i i feel like the greco wrestling helps our freestyle guys and and a lot of it's you know his level at his age with the experience it has is a lot of it's just training him training him you know nutrition wise training conditioning wise you know all that sorts of things so uh the technique we're gonna leave most of the technique to the the national team coaches uh, out there those guys know what they're doing and he's actually working with some of those guys right now trying to to make sure he's ready for the these upcoming competitions yeah, he must see value, though. Like, I mean, I think what you're saying makes sense. Like, you know, you have you guys aren't teaching, you know, pummeling and all that stuff as much as, you know, on a full-time basis. But if he's out there full-time, there must be other value that he sees to make that decision, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's just he's, – he's got some different perspectives on, on some techniques, and it's, it's been fun having him in. Yeah. So let's talk about Final X, and then I'll, I'll let you get out of here. So the event's going to be held at Rec Hall, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where this event was this last weekend, right? Yes. Okay. So on your campus, obviously, 6 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday, June 16th, and the weight classes that are going to be contested there, and USA Wrestling ain't dumb. They got 65 kilos, 79 kilos, and 86 kilos in men. And so the number one guys as of right now – are Zane, Kyle Dake, David Taylor, and uh, but none of those guys get to are automatic sit to the final guys, correct? Right, they're going to have to, uh, you know, that to get into the final thing, you'd have to be a returning medalist. So those guys will need to go through the the trials process. Ideally, they go win the U.S. National Championship, uh, which is April something. Yeah. And then and then they're in, and then the U.S. Open, right? Yeah, the U.S. Open, yep. and then the winner of the, the, the trials event would then also be in for that two out of three. Right. So. And then there's three women's weight classes as well, 62, 72, 76. So yes. um, we heard a bunch of different numbers on the Big Ten Network. What's the capacity of Rec Hall, and how can people buy tickets and attend? Well, the you know, depending on how they do the floor, the format, I mean, there's, there's 6,000. Um, plus, depending on 
how they arrange it because I, I think they're going to try to put it on a stage. And they're finalizing all those ticket things right now, the ticket packages where the seats are. I think there's actually a, another conference call tomorrow. And by this weekend or next week, I think they are hoping to be ready to start selling tickets. Just need to make sure they've got them all. You know, everything figured out. And my understanding is at this point, all that stuff, you know, they'll run through the Penn State ticket office, you know, look for releases, you know, on the mat.com and then releases from our wrestling office to get in there and, and get those tickets early. Because, uh, you know, there's talk about front row seats. There's some there's some great seats for some great wrestling. And we want to make sure that this, you know, we have a habit of filling up rec hall, you know, to the rafters for wrestling matches. And if it's a summertime freestyle event, we want to do the same thing. So we're counting on the, you know, the Penn State Loyals and the, the wrestling community to come out there and, and make this event incredible. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I know you're not, you don't have anything really going on all day, but when uh, those tickets become available, if if you text us at Track Wrestling, we'll we'll get that up on our site right away because, I mean, I don't think you'll need any help from us selling out, but it's something we definitely, you know, I think that atmosphere and environment is was insane for a college meet and for those, high, you know, for an international match to be like that. And I've had mixed feelings about this just because as a fan, seeing all those guys in one place at Lincoln was just one of the coolest things I've ever seen, but um, my, uh, my colleagues at track wrestling tell me having storylines that you can promote for two, three, four weeks really can be better for the sport. And that people know it's just going to be essentially like a dual meet where there'll be anywhere from 12 to 18 matches, depending on how many go two out of three, you know, and it's a one night thing and people don't have to spend as much money on hotels. So, um, it feels like the atmosphere will just be, you know, just insane there. Yeah, and that's part of it because you know what you said that that event last year in Lincoln. I thought that was pretty darn. Um, that was that was some of the best wrestling. It was one of the you know best nights of wrestling I've ever seen because they had you know all our best guys wrestling same day, same place. You know that that was a lot of fun. And so from a fan, I think if I was going to go sit down, but you know we're, we're these super fans that that's what we do is wrestle. I would love to go sit down and watch that every time. But it's like you said, they're talking about the storylines and being able to promote this for two or three different weeks. You know, hopefully this ends up being a good thing. But I think that's kind of what the approach is, is that we have a window to do this as a sport. You know, let's let's do it and, and see if we like it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, well, Cody, you, you've always been generous with your time, and I know you guys must just get a ton of requests and asks, and I appreciate you making uh, our show and, and track wrestling a priority. Um, you know, I've I'm a big fan of how you guys do things. I think we're all fans of what you're doing, but the how you do things and with the class and the integrity um, that you guys do is something I think that's incredibly admirable, and I think more people need to, to be like how your guys' staff acts. I shouldn't say in winning and losing because there hasn't been a lot of losing, but even in individual matches, how you guys act as a staff and as a program is is, is a really cool thing to watch. Uh, thank you for that. So I, I wish you the best of luck this weekend against Iowa, and I will see you next month in Cleveland. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Cody Sanderson from Penn State. This podcast was brought to you by FantasyGrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to FantasyGrade.com, enter the live event on March 14th in Cleveland, the online event, or both. Prove your knowledge and sport amateur wrestling at the same time. Go to fantasygrade.com today and enjoy wrestling even more. Have a great week, week, folks. We'll talk to you all next week.